Hello, and welcome to the Searcher Studio podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with Sandra, a Toronto-based artist, Twitter Spaces host, and all-around pillar to the NFT industry. She has sold out three collections and grown her NFT community in record time. Our conversation spans her childhood influences, her expression of art, what community means to her, and her soon-to-be-released fourth collection. You can find Sandra on Twitter at BaronSArt, that's B-A-R-O-N underscore S underscore A-R-T, or on Instagram at smg.illustration. Head over to searcherstudioart.com to connect with her through her social links and see some of her work. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hello, Sandra. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for being on here. This is so exciting. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm very excited to to be on here with you. Yeah, great. And you just stepped out of a space like 15 minutes ago or however long ago. Yep. You are yep. grinding in the spaces. Yes, I'm... Uh... Gosh, I kind of look at like my schedule, and I sometimes I'm like, "Wow, this is uh, a bit much," but uh, it's usually with you know with friends, so it it makes it fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely enjoying it. Yeah, I looked at your pinned tweet, and it's like I had to stop and be like, "Okay, wow, eight <laughs> spaces a week." Yeah, if gosh, if not more, if not more, sometimes I just I decide to do a space uh, for no reason or or friends. If friends are doing spaces and they need me to co-host, I'll I'll, I'll go in if I have time. But yeah, those uh, those ones that are on there are scheduled every week. Wild, that's yeah. crazy. I feel like um, I don't know a month ago, six weeks ago. Time is strange, obviously, in the nft twitter space and just in life these days um but i feel like not too long ago it was like oh i think i'm gonna host a space and like maybe one or maybe two you know every so often and then and then i started seeing you like okay like wow sandra's hosting a space sandra's hosting another space the next day another one the next day and uh and now it's like a full-fledged schedule yeah, you know what? It's funny because I would have never thought that I would do anything like this when I first came into the NFT space. Like Twitter spaces terrified me. I was so nervous to to say anything in spaces, even if it was just like two, three people, like a relatively, like very, actually very small space. Um, it would take a lot for me to request the mic and, and say anything. And usually I would stay silent. So yeah, it's... Uh, it's such a huge change from what what it was about two months ago or or more yeah i feel the same way for myself and just like in general um like people being super nervous when they get started and then uh you know talking a few times in spaces and you see now a lot of people hosting spaces and i feel like that's kind of like this general population of warming up to hosting and speaking and all these things. And what's nice is that I think there's spaces for everyone and all different things, you know, and like, that's, that's, what's part of like the really unique thing about it is that you, 
like you host a space, I think, or your co-host a space with about dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there's something out there for everyone. And, you know, there are one of the key things I find in spaces is that it adds it should add value to the listener in some capacity. So, you know, the the dog spaces with poodle pals, for example, is it's a fun space. So it's a space to be able to get away from, you know, the everyday grinding and to just enjoy each other's company and talk about what we love, which is animals or pets. And then there are educational spaces, which are fantastic as well. Um, and, you know, those those spaces, quote unquote, after dark, where you can be silly and, and not worry about, you know, what people think. So, yeah, I that's what I love about spaces. You really are able to get to know people um, in the NFT space. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask, do you find people joining that aren't in the NFT space in any of your spaces? Um, what do you mean? Sorry. Like that aren't involved with nfts at all like i think the last space i hosted somebody popped in that is not involved with nfts at all and i you might have been in the space actually i think they're like a dominatrix oh yeah yeah remember yeah yeah yeah, i remember she was was awesome and she was like yeah like i just am like kind of curious about what's going on in this whole you know uh the nft industry or whatever and i'm just you know kind of poking my head around and i was like that's awesome. Like, welcome. Yeah, I remember that. She was from Montreal, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was really fun. I, You know what's funny is that not very often do people come up or have the confidence to come up into a space where they know nothing about anything and, and, and say that they don't know anything or want to learn. Um, I think that may have happened once or twice but it's usually someone that's already you know gotten their feet wet if you if you will like in in the nft space but uh yeah no when when that happened in your space that was pretty that was pretty awesome yeah i loved it i thought it was like um i think eventually we'll want a lot of kind of crossbreeding between different industries yeah and the nft space i think is like really um it's like hyper cannibalistic almost you know like you're if you're in the nft space you're in the nft space you know Mm -hmm. and um it's nice to see uh people like you hosting spaces that have nothing to do with nfts and it's just like this is what is interesting to me and like i want to i want to do this and then hopefully like other people start to kind of come in and they're like oh okay wow this isn't just like nft art or nft projects or whatever it is it's all sorts of things yeah, definitely. And I think it's a good opportunity as well to, you know, for the people that do come into these spaces that know nothing about NFTs. I find that a lot of the spaces, even if it's not about NFTs or the market or anything like that, it always kind of veers off in that direction. So um, I know that there's a paranormal space that I co-host on Wednesdays um, and it's it's literally so much fun. It's just like a creepy, like paranormal uh, ghost story type thing. And uh, you know what? I actually, I may have lied to you before um, because I'm in, I wouldn't, I don't host that space. I co-host it, but there are a few people that have come into that space that have had nothing to do with NFTs, Oh, cool. Um, you know, that come in and, and share ghost stories. And then, 
you know, people eventually talk about their projects or about NFTs near the end of the space. And so it kind of opens up like this world to those people like, oh, what are NFTs or what is it that you do? You know, so I think that's pretty that's pretty neat. And I, I definitely agree with you. I think it's more and more of that's going to be happening once, uh, you know, Meta is implementing like the whole NFT thing and um, yeah, all, all that all that stuff that's supposed to eventually be become more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're we're obviously at the very, very, very beginning. So um, it'll be interesting to see when other people start to kind of make their way into it, into the space, because, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are selling art and, you know, able to kind of afford themselves a little bit of a side hustle or even freedom from having to work a side hustle or whatever it is. Or, you know, I mean, there's even people that are, you know, have, allowing themselves to quit their jobs or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, some very interesting stuff. Um, I want to ask about paranormal stuff and obviously your work has a lot to do with some elemental spiritual kind of like there's some paranormal dark spirit stuff in there and we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want to like, if we can kind of take a step back and, look at like where does this this uh like start in your life like where did you start first getting into paranormal crystals sprites all this stuff so it was probably from like a pretty young age initially of course like you know growing up um my whole family uh is from poland so there's the the fairy tales or the folklore and um, growing up, I was really into mythology as well and, and fantasy. So I kind of did a lot of my own little research. Like I would always be at the li- public library and I would always be, you know, borrowing books about mythology and uh, about fairies or sprites, um, Greek gods and god, like just anything that I could get my hands on, essentially. Like I was a very big reader growing up. And uh, eventually that kind of, not going to lie, <laughs> um, when after I saw The Craft, I think that's like one of the biggest movies for awesome. a lot of people, yeah, where you see The Craft and you're just like, oh, that's so cool. And it's just a completely different, different world. And I don't know if it's just from like ages ago where you know we were very in tune with with our surroundings and with nature and it kind of I I don't know if that just sparked something in in some of us I don't I I hope that makes some sort of sense but uh I I just really vibed with that um and that's when I started really getting into uh reading about uh Wicca and and paganism and just reading books about that and about um, just religions that were based uh, on nature and uh, yeah essentially and then it kind of like snowballed yeah yeah so um, well there's like a couple things that come to mind when I hear this stuff right it's like I think there's people that are really into you know, like nature-based spirituality and Wicca and stuff like that. And they kind of skew more towards like hippies. 
uh-huh. or like green thumbs, you know, like they're like kind of like garden gnomes or gnomeses or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's people that kind of move into more like skulls and uh, like a different, like kind of like, I don't want to say dark arts, but kind of like more of like a medieval vibe, like um, thing. So I always like, I like to see that different sort of, uh, that dichotomy to a similar thing, I think. Yeah, I definitely, I know what you're saying. And that, that was my thing is like, I kind of always, I always liked skulls and just like the, the darker sort of aspect of things. I'm always, I'm drawn to that for some reason. And, but it's really funny that you say that because like sitting in my office right now, I have so many plants, like so many green plants everywhere. And I fancy myself like a little miss green thumb um but like i also then have like coffins like (laughs) you know i have coffins and i have skulls and i have like a calendar by bekshinsky and uh the all-seeing eye and and it was really funny because um i've been living in this place for about a year and my parents visited for the first time uh last fall so when my dad came into my office he was like what is going on in here? So it's it's definitely, uh, it's funny, but it's just, it's what makes my heart sing. And it's not in any sort of morbid way, which is really funny. Um, I, I don't even really know how to explain it, but it, ju- it just feels like home to me, which is kind of strange when I say that out loud and talking about skulls and, and things like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely like, uh, that edgier side. When you were younger, were you kind of decorating your room in a similar way or did this kind of materialize as you got older? My obsession with, uh, with skulls was always like, since I was really young, um, and which was okay. Like my parents didn't think anything of it, but my, like my growing up, it was in a Roman Catholic household. It wasn't, we didn't go to church like every every week but you know we um we celebrated easter and christmas and and things like that so i know that when i first started to kind of dabble in uh learning more about wicca and and whatnot my parents weren't too enamored with it um but eventually like they began to see that it wasn't you know what hollywood made it out to be at the time and this is we're talking like the the 90s and and the you know 2000 early 2000s so um my room was mostly there were some skulls but it was mostly like castles and uh you know um paintings by oh gosh I can't remember his name Waterhouse I believe um yeah so it wasn't anything until I I moved out and I really just kind of got into my own was I able to just decorate it however I liked so yeah. Well, it's probably good your parents didn't see the craft because they probably would have had a different thought. <laughs> oh, no, they they saw it. They didn't like oh, they it. Did? They yeah, didn't they like didn't it. like it. They didn't like it. But uh, <laughs> it took uh, my mom came around to it a lot faster uh, than my dad did. Um, and uh, I remember I don't know if it's like in the U.S. I think it was like Barnes and Nobles. But in Canada, we have chapters. And every time we went to the mall, there was a chapters there and they would let me just kind of, I would sit in like, 
it was a very tiny section. Like now it's so much bigger than what it used to be. But there was just a very small like Wicca spirituality section. It's just one shelf. And I would just sit there and I would go through the books. And eventually they they came around to it. So that's cool. Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned mentioned a calendar. You, I think you said, I'm going to butcher this name, Bekshishi? Bekshinsky. Bekshinsky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tripping over my tongue. Um, what kind of work is that? So uh, Bekshinsky is a Polish painter, um, and he used to be a photographer as well, but um, he's known as the nightmare artist. And yeah, I think you and I talked about this uh, in a space once before um, where, yeah, I I just really resonate with his work. It's very, it's very ominous uh, and dark. um, And I think there's a famous one that I've seen, right, where it's like the it's like this creature crawling on the ground, but there's no eyes or anything. It's just like a. Like a wrapped, like a bandaged head. It looks like something from out of Silent Hill. Yeah. 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 I, that one, I love that one. Yeah. There's some, oh, there's just some stunning, stunning work. And it just reminds me of, like, I know that his story, um, there's a lot of World War Two, I guess, connotations throughout these nuances throughout his work where he uses, like, um, the blue color, the Prussian blue, um, and yeah just i guess scenes from from world war ii and like this nightmarish uh world or landscape so very i feel like it's very powerful when i look at it just like it does something to me uh it's just it's stunning stunning work so you live in toronto currently correct correct are you from there no um I was born in Italy. What? I was born in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, born in Rome. And uh, my parents moved from Poland. Um, there was communism in Poland at the time, and they just wanted to, I guess, raise their kids um, somewhere different. And so they had moved to Italy, uh, where I was born, and then eventually they made their way over to Canada. And most of my life, I grew up in a little city called Guelph, which is probably about an hour and a half east, no, west, west of Toronto. Um, So yeah, and then I moved here a couple, or just about a year ago, actually. Okay. Cool. Do you identify with any, I don't know how long you were in Italy, but do you identify with any like Italian culture or are there any roots there or is it primarily like small town Canada? Um, I really, I like my whole family is from Poland. I speak Polish. Um, I identify as um, a Polish person. Um, yeah, sorry. I should have said Polish, not small town Canada. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so yeah, I, I am an immigrant. That I, that came out weird. I am an immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> I said that really fast. Um, and but yeah, my, I 
I've always wanted to visit Italy and that's something that I still really want to do. Um, but I feel like this pull to, to Europe and, and to Poland, even though I wasn't born there, my entire family is there. That's, you know, I still follow traditions, uh, during holidays and, and things like that. Um, not from necessarily like a religious aspect as much as it's from a traditional, traditional one. And, you know, to remember, of course, my heritage and and my family, where my family came from. So, so yeah. Have you been back there at all? Yes, I've been back to Poland several times throughout my life. And I'm actually planning another trip the end of this year to see family. That's amazing. I think um, Poland is pretty high up on my list of places to visit. I've met a number of Poles while traveling, and mm-hmm. um, I started to do like a little research of visiting there. And it just seems so beautiful and clean, and every person that I've met that's from there has just been like open arms, like come, you can stay with me, like, and even if you don't stay with me, just like come visit, like we'll cook for you, like it's very. There's like, it seems like that's part of the culture, like, you know, a traditional aspect of, of, uh, Polish people that it's like very welcoming and open arms. Yes. I wanted to like, <laughs> I wanted to like, just be like, yes, exactly. Like throughout the ty- entire time you were talking, I didn't want to cut you off, but yes, exactly. Polish people are amazing. I love Poland is just, it's a stunning country. It has so much history, um, a lot more than what uh, people people know of. Like they they think that Poland started in like World War II. Right. And there's just so much more history before that. Um, and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Uh, stunning architecture, just everything. And the people, like you said, they're so warm and welcoming and um, they treat you like family. And I think that that showed as well with with what recently is going on in in Ukraine and with how Poland they didn't they don't care who you are they were just like uh, whoever you are come come over here and we're gonna let you stay like there's a few people in the NFT space who are in Poland um, who have told me that you know they brought people into their their homes they didn't know who they were but they were like come in we're gonna take care of you and get you back on your feet. That's amazing. Yeah. So you moved to this small town as a young child. So what kind of um, hobbies were you interested? What were you, were you out in exploring in nature or did you mostly have your head in a book? I mostly had my head in a book, um, but also Growing up, we had a fairly, like my dad loves gardening and just being outdoors as well. And he's definitely like a green thumb. And he would always have like this fruit and vegetable garden. And he would always give me like the front row of the garden um, for my, my herbs. And so I would always be out there every day and I would be watching my herbs grow and drawing like sketching them out and measuring them like every single day I would be out there which is pretty funny but so if I could get out I I would my parents uh, took our family out camping often so that was another way of you know 
being uh, in the outdoors, but usually when we were home, um, I was usually in my in my room with my like hundreds of books that I would borrow from the library. That's fascinating to me. I I'm like so enthusiastic for parents that raise their children in, in like a similar way of like, oh, here, this is like your little plot of land to grow herbs. Mm-hmm. Like what a yeah. what a very interesting thing. How old were you at that age? Um, I was about 12, 13. Yeah. Not like a typical thing I would see or like I've seen in my life, you know, or I think yeah, that that's... we would see as, you know, however old we are. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. That's not, it's not often. And not, and to be honest, like, like he encouraged that always, which was, which was awesome. And he's like, both my parents, I mean, they grew up in Poland, you know, when you go over there, you walk everywhere, you don't drive. So we were always out every day after dinner, we went for a walk. And <laughs> as much as I like looking back, I remember I hated doing that just because I was like, you know, we just ate. I just want to relax, right? But um, looking back on it, there are some great memories just being outside together as a family and just exploring just, you know, your surroundings. I don't think a lot of people do that. There are a lot of people in Toronto that have moved here and they don't even know, like, what's down the next street mm-hmm. from them. So, and I mean, I I was guilty of that the first, like, I think the first six or so months and my parents came to visit um, and they saw more in the two weeks they were here than what I had seen. So I was like, okay, it's time for me to get out and and do that. But um, yeah, so he encouraged me to, to grow my own herbs and, um, and I also was really into, you had mentioned like uh, green thumb and like, I guess it's, called the green witch or like a kitchen witch sort of thing and there were books that I had taken out as well about uh different herbs and um just gardening and things like that so that was something that kind of helped spur me on and and kind of spur my interest in in that in that I guess field Mm -hmm. (laughs) field you know what I mean just like about herbs and and their properties and medicinal properties, magical properties, uh, culinary properties. So Yeah, I mean, cool. like, if anything's connected to Wicca and, you know, quote-unquote witchcraft, it's herbs and, like, the, you know, healing properties of plants and all sorts of stuff like that. Yes, exactly. You said something about uh, getting outside often and going on walks with your family, and it just reminded me of this i just had a conversation with um not sure if you know who pokey head is uh in the nft space no. he's not very active he's a scottish artist um mm-hmm. and i met him in a space a while ago and he was just somebody that i connected with um but he was talking about how he encourages his kids to look at and they're very young to look at like the world differently and he said they'll stop in the middle of eating dinner And like, if it's a certain, you know, slight of light outside or whatever, like they'll go outside and they'll like, look at the clouds and look at the light and, you know, oh, like there's a, you know, a hawk or whatever. Like, so he has a very interesting eye for 
for uh like looking at things but also uh like an interesting way of how he's trying to raise his children to view the world and interact with the world it's just something that came to mind i think it's really i love it it's fascinating to me i think that's really important um you know when growing when you know when you're raising children in in today's day and age and that's one of the biggest things i feel like we should be teaching children is is Mm -hmm. mindfulness so which is exactly what it sounds like he's doing with with his kids um, you know, to be able to go on walks and notice those little things and, um, or if you're sitting outside and just sunsets, sunrises, it doesn't even matter, but just to be present and I guess appreciate how, as corny as it may sound to a lot of people, how really miraculous life is. Yeah. And cultivate some sort of sense of, uh, gratefulness and, Mm-hmm. appreciation yeah i totally agree with that it's yeah like i think and this is something that me and pokey also talked about but i think we are in a very um fragile place with the incoming generations of children mm-hmm. you know we have all these all these adults now like i'm in my mid-30s and kind of my generation is like new to social media like right we didn't have we weren't born with it we didn't have it growing up as kids we didn't have cell phones we didn't have internet um and like we can see the effects of like people that are just a little older than us that had kids and now they're like 15 and 18 or whatever that have social media but then we're you know excuse me but then a lot of people I think are doubling down on it and they create social media accounts for their kids yeah. that are like babies or four years old or five years old. And like these kids are going to inherit social media accounts when they turn 12 or 14 or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what that's going to do to like a culture or a generation or, you know, I mean, mental health or all that stuff. But I do see a sense of, uh, or a further sense of disconnection from exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I definitely agree. I see that a lot too. I mean, I'm, I don't want to kind of, uh, there's no, no right or wrong, obviously. And of course, sometimes, right. you know, iPads or phones help moms if, if, you know, the kids having a meltdown or whatever, but I do often see just, non-stop photos of children and I I don't I I don't I'm really curious as well because I'm in my mid-30s too so I didn't grow up with that either I think I got my first cell phone when I was 18 Mm. 19 yeah I was a lot older and because my parents were like no nay nay you're not getting (laughs) you're not getting the cell phone so um and the internet too was like my dad would give us a a limit a time limit on the internet so um they were very strict with that i mean at the time too like the internet just came out so they were very paranoid about you know people pretending to be something they're not right information being like out there so um but yeah i do see a lot of 
kids now that know how to use a phone. It was funny because I was at the airport the other day and there was a dad there with his phone and he couldn't figure out um, like a boarding pass or something like that. And I think his daughter, she was like eight years old or something. And she just kind of grabbed the phone out of his hand and she's like, here, give it to me, dad. I know, I know what to do. And she like <laughs> wow. walked him through the whole process. And I was like, what? Like, it's it's unreal it's unreal and also too like sometimes i see children um saying no more pictures and that's kind of strange to me like have you ever seen that no like children telling their parents like don't yeah take pictures don't of me? take yeah whoa yeah. they're like no more pictures yeah so i've seen that a lot so it's kind of i don't know i don't know i'm very curious to see how um this next generation is going to grow up, but I'm, I think I would be very concerned uh, when it comes to to mental health and things like eating disorders and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, because some of these apps out there are just unreal. I downloaded FaceApp because one of my friends, uh, she's an AI artist in the in the space. Um, she downloaded it, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to check it out, and it's unbelievable what you can do with this app completely change the way you look and people are changing the way they look and they're posting it on the internet and that must do something to you mentally because you know that's not what you look like in real life yeah uh when when you live in a culture that like kind of craves attention or at least is seeking some sort of validation and the the filtered picture of you gets more likes or views than the unfiltered, you know, photo, you know, like what does that do to a 15 year old who has low self-esteem and has only three friends at, in, in school, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. I know growing up for myself and I didn't have social media or the internet the way that these kids do today, uh, I know that I struggled with with my weight and my appearance. Uh, I can't imagine how much more difficult it is now. With I mean, it's always in your face now, right? Before, yeah. like you would have to pick up a magazine or watch TV, and now it's just like literally everywhere. So right, yeah, you can't you can't escape it. And I actually had a conversation with a friend a while back who's got two children, and um, you know, it was like, what do, what do we do? Like we can't. We can't take it entirely away from them because then you're ostracizing them from like their community and their, you think it's hard to make friends like with a phone, like try making it without it or without social media or whatever. So it will be interesting. And I think, you know, that, that, uh, what you said about children telling their parents not to take photos of them, maybe that'll be like our saving grace maybe kids will be like you know what like this whole social media thing is a mess i don't want this and like as a culture or generation they'll you know make the changes that who knows that's a good who point knows? yeah that's a good point you never know right right i mean i still think we're probably going to live in some sort of like mad max type uh dystopia <laughs> in the near future so <laughs> okay well first of all i love that movie so if that happened i'd be like cool but not like i would want to be up up top in the hierarchy but <laughs> of course everybody thinks but... it's cool but you know we're we're most likely going to be the people that are like begging I for know. water that like I are know. praising the 
Did you yeah. did you like that last one, the the Fury Road? I did. Did you? Loved it. Oh, I really I I did. And it's so funny cuz my partner just bought like a 4K TV the other month and that was the first movie that I watched and I was just blown away all over again by like just the cinematography and everything. It was it's a stunning movie. It's, it's a gorgeous movie. So beautiful. Like in terms yeah. of just how it looks i think like it's a 10 right like the cinematography yeah. the colors the everything about it is just so amazing and then when it comes to action films i can kind of like flip a coin i think most mm-hmm. action films are like like all right i'm starting to roll my eyes like like i watched james bond the other day just because it was on i didn't mm-hmm. you know i wasn't like ordering it on like uh on demand I did definitely didn't go to the theater for it and I turned it on and I was like geez like this is just the same thing over and over and I think that's like how it is for most action movies yeah but Mad Max's action is like to me some of the most inventive and creative action not only because of like how they did it but because of like how it's different throughout the entire movie you know it's yeah. a, it's a road movie and yet they have unique action sequences in throughout the entire thing like George Miller's a freaking genius yeah it was i can't i can't i just i loved everything about it everything about yeah. it yeah and i love the message too i i think after it came out um i spoke with some coworkers that were females and they were like you know it was they thought it was like kind of like anti-feminism or something like that and i was like ah it's actually like the opposite like he he actually consulted with like i think international feminist groups or australian feminist groups or something like that and i think even the screenwriter is a female like it is i i love that aspect of it like it's super balanced and there's like really a good message in there i think yeah i definitely i agree with you i just it was i i feel like it was a it was badass for for women yeah i hope i can say that word yeah on on here but it it was it was um furiosa and just i yeah she was great i I completely agree yeah she was she was amazing and i'm not a i'm not a a huge charlie's fan but i definitely loved her in that in that movie and tom hardy perfect perfect casting there so I agree. I didn't. I don't think I found anything that I disliked about it. To be honest. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. It was really good. Well, there's more coming, so I'm excited to see what he does oh, with it. And he's got so this other exciting. movie. Um, I think it's called A Thousand Years of Longing or something like that. Mm-hmm. That might be something that you'd be interested in. It looks like it's very. It's got like huge. I don't know anything about it to be honest, but it looks like it's got a lot of tones of like mythology and folklore and it's I think it's about a genie and stuff like that, but it's very it looks very inventive and creative, so might be something I'll worth checking out. I'll have to check out. it out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Do you uh find yourself still reading quite a bit? I yes, I have a lot of books and um basically I have so many books people hate me when I'm moving and they have to help me. 
Oh, yeah, another box of books. Uh, yeah, like a lot of books. It it's excessive. Um, I love I love books. I love books. I've started uh, going more digital just because I can get so many more in like you know one spot. Um, but there's just something about having that like a tangible copy like in your hand the smell of books like I grew up with that like my mom was a huge like bookworm so um yes I still I still read a lot of books I wish I could I'm so bad at it it's oh really probably yeah it's probably like the worst um I think with anything or with most things but I especially think with reading it's like a a muscle memory almost you kind of have to to build it Mm -hmm. and not a muscle memory but it's like something that you have to like work on and you slowly become better at it or you enjoy it more and more as you kind of step into it Mm -hmm. and I just have such a hard time like I I even tried an ebook because I was like maybe this will help me read more I downloaded one book and I actually ended up reading the whole thing but then I was like okay I'm done (laughs) and I put it down so (laughs) It's definitely a, I used to read a lot young, when I was younger, like mid twenties, late twenties, but I've just lost it. I need to like rediscover that and refine that. Yeah. I, I think that there was a period of time where I, I kind of lost it as well, which is really funny because that didn't stop me from buying books. Yeah. <laughs> I would still buy them, but I wouldn't necessarily read them, which is really bizarre. Um, but that was a, just a period of time where I was kind of all over the place in life. So um, but, uh, now I just have books to read. So I've, I've read most of them though. And there are, there are a few that I've read like a hundred times over, but I also like to write. So, um, that's, I think that's why I, I like reading so much as well. What kind of writing do you do? Anything, anything, honestly, like growing up, I used to do my own little stories, short stories. I would borrow my dad's laptop, like work laptop, because my, my bedroom was just like my Zen room. It was like my little world. So um, instead of going on the computer, which was in their bedroom, he let me take his work laptop into my bedroom where I could get, you know, comfortable and, and write. So I would write a lot of short stories, like myth mythological type things and then I really got into uh like poetry writing poetry so that's something that I still do um to this day but that's more of like a a private thing I I have a it's funny I have much more uh difficulty sharing words than I do do art or anything else yeah I I can relate to that I also you know, being somebody that is not an avid reader, I am a writer as well. And like, I think, I think the best writers are avid readers. So I've never really had the confidence that I think I probably could have used, but um, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I, I do write, I write poetry. I haven't, written any for a while but I also don't show it to anybody like there's probably a few people that I've showed it to um there's just something different about it I don't know like I've it's I want to do something with it I want to eventually show it but I'm like I don't know it's a weird thing for me it's hard because I feel like with words um 
like there's just one way that so many people can interpret it. I think it takes, it depends on how open-minded individuals are. Um, where with like art, it's so, art is subjective and there are so many different interpretations to artwork when someone is looking at it, you know? Like Bekshinsky, for example, a lot of people will look at it and be like, oh, that's really creepy. Like that's scary art, right? And to me, it's just like, to me, it's not scary. To me, it's beautiful. To me, it's like, it's another world. It's magical. It's it's pain, but like there's beauty in that pain sort of thing. Where with words, a lot of people just read it and they're like, what you see is what you get. Um, oftentimes I find that, you know, if you read certain poetry, a lot of the times people will, will still like ask, what does it mean? Like, right. because they don't know how to interpret it. Um, even though they could interpret it in, in every, in any way possible, like imaginable to themselves. Like it's, it's an it's, I mean, it's up to them at the end of the day, but um, I think they take it at, I think face value, if that makes sense. Like they just read it and they're just like, okay, that's what it actually means. Um, that's an interesting thought. It, yeah. I think it's definitely accurate for me. It, it actually kind of, uh, juggled something in my brain, which is like perhaps, perhaps I'm afraid of sharing stuff because I think you can say the same thing, uh, and this might actually be counterintuitive to what you were saying, but I think you can say the same thing in multiple ways, and you can actually say it better. And so I'm a little afraid, like maybe stuff I put out, like can be articulated better, better vocabulary or maybe better prose or a flow of words or whatever it is. And I'm afraid that like my work is, you know, sub what somebody else would read it and be like, oh, it could have been said this way instead. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I think that I feel like all a lot of writers have that that kind of fear. I for me, it's just like um, if I were to write something and someone would interpret it in in the wrong way. Mm. Um, let let's say there is like a line where you say something about. Uh, gosh, I don't, I can't even think of anything right now. Um, but there, there could be just some sort of line that could be taken quite literally, but the writer means it in a completely different way. So I feel like sometimes people will, what, what my fear is people will read it and take it much too literally than what I intended. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of freaks me out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Like maybe you say something like, uh, symbolically and someone's like oh she's a devout you know christian yes. or whatever because of this thing that yeah not that yes yeah but yeah i can definitely see that that can be that can that can be an aspect of uh you know misinterpretation within writing yeah definitely um mike can you hear can you hear my dog barking i thought i heard a little oh he's yeah he's having a meltdown does he need do you need to <laughs> give him a little break or something or um i just i feel bad louie we can pause if you need to attend to it but i also 
can't really hear it that well. Okay. So. If you can't hear it, then that's that's okay. He he'll eventually. It's like I guess it's home time for a lot of people, so he thinks like he rules this neighborhood. So despite him being like four floors up and six pounds, it's like, the little ones. Know. It's always yes. the little ones. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of uh, my mom's dog when um, oh. when we're done with this. And yes, please. Oh my god, she is adorable, but she is like this little Ooh. diva. You know, she's either like. <laughs> She's either like the little, the little like rat, like the little snotty, you know, diva, or she's uh-huh. like little Miss Cuddles, and she makes you, <laughs> makes eyes at you because you don't you don't have her your your hand on her back or something like that. You oh know. Oh my gosh, so cute! I love dogs so much. I'll send you a photo. There's a, I have a couple of really cute photos of her. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um. So okay. So when did you? You know, well, first off, I think we have this like really, this really, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? You know, for someone that hosts a podcast, I lose track of words so easily. It's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Um, but I think we have a good picture of like, of like uh, how you were raised and like kind of what life was like growing up for you. Like I can, I can kind of see this, this young Sandra growing up um Mm -hmm. at what point did you start making art uh as young as I can remember um I yes as young as I can remember I remember like uh I was obsessed with coloring books growing up um like arts and crafts and um I remember I always used to get um those Archie comics and like my parents would always buy them for my sister and I. Um, and I remember tracing them because I was like, I want to make my own comic. So I, I remember tracing them. And it's really funny because we had like these, those huge old like big box type TVs where every single time you turned them off, like the whole screen would be like staticky. So I remember I would like rip pages out and I would turn the TV on and off so it'd be staticky so I can kind of put put the paper on so I can trace it I mean eventually I figured out there's a window I could probably just use a window instead of this tv but that's like one of my earliest memories which is really funny I was probably around eight or so so um yeah I I started just doing that and um I was pretty young when my mom bought me my first sketchbook and I was always drawing yeah, that I think that fits right in line with, you know, this young girl who's reading voraciously outside, playing in the garden, mm-hmm. taking measurements of her herbs, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there's a there's definitely a, a, an interesting balance between analytic and intuitive, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that's the same for now? Yeah, I I. Yes, I do, I do believe so. Yes, I do believe so. I think a little bit more intuitive now than anything, but um, growing up for sure. Um, and then I I would. It's funny because then, I I there was a period of time where I stopped doing anything creative. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of playing catch up 
um, since I, I started creating again about three years ago now. Um, so that's why I feel a little bit more intuitive and I'm allowing myself to relax a bit more and, and be more creative. So, um, so yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. What, what made you stop? I think, uh, at the time, um, like it was, I believe it was, I was around 2021. And, um, at that time, my parents had moved, uh, they left Canada and moved to California. Uh, my sister at that time had moved to Toronto, um, for school and I was kind of back home. And my life at that time was like my friends, my friends, and then I guess my boyfriend at the time. So uh, I kind of just, I guess, lost sight of, of, I I think it was just like a time where I I was going out more often and partying and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But eventually that kind of became over the top the partying became over the top um and i struggled a lot mentally with a lot of things and i i was too i guess i was too afraid to create at the time so i just i didn't i didn't i feel like i sort of lost myself so so yeah is this when you were in or maybe just coming out of college uh, yes. I mean, or I had been going to college earlier. Um, I had dropped out. I had gone to college for journalism um, and I had dropped out because that just wasn't, it just wasn't something that I, I was more, I loved writing. I wanted to, to go into writing, but my heart was more in the creative writing side, not journalism. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ended up leaving. And it's funny because I feel like, I think it was like 70% of people had dropped out after the first year so it was it was intense i i had that number still is crazy to me to this day um but it's funny when you look at what a lot of these people are doing now which is more creative they're more in a like a creative profession whether it be photography or writing like creative writing and um and things like that so so yeah i had uh, dropped out and i was just working full-time but it would have been around that age. It would have been like around college, college time. Um, getting back to this idea of like intuitive and analytic, I love it because I started to look at your work and it's like, okay, like things are kind of coming together now. Like I see a lot of your previous influences and inspirations, but also I see a lot of, there's a lot of like, symmetry and physics and preciseness involved in your work but also a lot of intuitiveness and do you think that like you approach your work in with both of these elements or is it more one than the other I feel like it's more intuitive to be honest with you and I don't think uh, like I mean it, it might be analytic but I think it's more so uh perfectionism oh uh i'm very i'm i'm a huge perfectionist um so there are especially when it comes to like my line work um with symmetry see just 
seeing something that's symmetrical, I think just does something to a lot of people um, when it's, there's a beauty in symmetry. And so that's, that's what I like to incorporate into a lot of the pieces. Um, I feel like when I do that, it, to me feels like uh, it's an element of like balance. Um, but it's not so much actually I feel like it's an element of balance but it's also about my uh, what's the word I'm looking for my myself always like striving towards like perfectionism so if that does that make sense yeah uh, totally I mean we all know this you know, stereotype of what perfection is, right? There's mm-hmm. so many sayings about it. Like one is that like perfection is the enemy of great or the enemy of good, whatever it is. Um, and I think we also hear a lot of people talk about like, don't worry about being perfect. Like it's okay. So like, how does, how does striving for perfection or being a perfectionist or whatever it is, like, how does that help or prohibit you in a way that you in in the work that you make? I feel like that's a good question. I feel like it prohibits me. I feel like oftentimes there's something that I create and I'm just like, okay, yeah, you know, it looks, it looks good, but there's something in my head that in my brain, that's like, no, it has to be perfect. So we need to, we need to redo this or we redo the line work. And it's funny because oftentimes, um, I don't end up really liking it at the, at the end of it all. Um, even at the end of that struggle, I feel like it it definitely prohibits me because there's so much art that I probably could have put out there, um, that I didn't think was quote unquote good enough. Um, because in my own head or in my own opinion, it's not quote unquote perfect. Um, so I think that if I allowed myself more of that freedom um, I probably would be able to open up a lot more uh, creative doors for myself yeah that's interesting because I can see how it would be a like it would stifle creativity you're trying Mm -hmm. trying trying to get something exactly the way it is and I think a big part of kind of pushing into creativity and trying to just like build that skill whatever it is is releasing something you know whether it be to the Mm -hmm. public or just to the world or just you know to the shelf and then working on the next thing yeah definitely it's funny because just like as we're talking now I I kind of noticed that it's something that I just don't allow myself to do. Like, I'm sure you've heard of like these challenges where it's like, draw something every day, draw something without looking at, right. you know, the paper and, and things like that. And in my brain, I, I can't, I literally cannot do that. I think of it as, even though it isn't for so many people, it's a, it's a way to learn, um, you know, uh, drawing and perspective and, and all these different things. To me, I'm like, I can't, I can't waste that time. Hmm. which is kind of which is kind of silly I think I just look at it um, maybe a little bit too methodically Um, I'm very stubborn and I'm a perfectionist so um, yeah like 
when I work on a piece, I will sketch it over like probably three times. Um, and then the line work uh, is can be very painstaking uh, uh, at times, for sure. And I feel like I don't have to be that way. Um, but I don't see myself doing it any other way, if that makes sense. Well, um, do you think that it doesn't need to be that you don't need to be that way as a as like uh are you talking about in terms of like being as hard on yourself or in terms of like the skills that you're using you know like do you mean mentally or physically Hmm. i think more so mentally i think that if i didn't have that uh that mindset that I would be a lot more creatively free to do different things and be comfortable in that. Hmm. What is it about your work specifically that that says this is Sandra? Um, from uh, so what I like about my work, I want to say that in a lot of my work, not necessarily through the collections that I've, that I've shared, but in a lot of the work that I've shared through Instagram, for example, is like a melancholy sort of vibe that comes with, with my pieces. So despite them being like these beautiful girls or, or these beautiful images, um, there's a sadness to them. And I, I like that, uh, I guess that dichotomy between light and dark and pieces and sadness and beauty and, and things. So I want to say sadness. A lot of people recognize my work from a, uh, what's that? From a technical standpoint, like a lot of line work. Um, a lot of people can recognize my work uh, now where they're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's Sandra because of how detailed the work can be. I always find that like, I can't just do a basic portrait. For example, if I'm, I'm working on something, I have to add an element to it where people are just kind of like, Whoa, like that crown or that hair or the, the necklace or something on that piece is very, like intricate where you could zoom in and it would be just entirely different. It could be an entirely different piece altogether. So um, do you think that this, this melancholy or this sadness that you're seeing in your own work, do you think that is something that comes from within you or is this something that you are trying to articulate that you see in the world? Where does that kind of stem from? So I feel like I feel like if I want to get deep into to what my work means, it's that there is beauty in um, in that darkness or in that sadness. Um, I know that a lot of the times people so often are trying to run away from any sort of negative feelings or any sort of you know um, melancholy feelings that that they may experience day to day and instead of just sitting there 
with them, um, experience, experiencing them. You know what I mean? It's just, I feel like we're so caught up in our day-to-day busy lives and we only are ever chasing after that, like that high, happy feeling. And that's just not, that's not life. That's not life every single day. And I feel like so many people struggle um, because they think that that it should be the norm. For the longest time, I would wake up in the morning and I would ask myself, why do I feel unhappy? And I eventually came to the realization that I, it's not something that can happen every single day. Like it's not it's not perfect every single day or I shouldn't strive for it to be perfect. I need to be okay with, you know, those bad days because then, you know, what goes up must come down sort of, sort of thing. So I guess it's my way of expressing that through, through my, through my artwork. It's my struggles with, you know, perfectionism and beauty and what I, I guess, felt at the time, what, what it should look like, or, um, and, yeah, it's a tough, that's a tough question, but, yeah, I feel like a lot of the times people don't realize that there has to be that balance, you know, there, there has to be that balance, there has to be that dark with the light, you know, and, um, too often so many people waste so much time trying to run away from from those feelings and um, instead of embracing them I feel that I feel like if we embrace them then it sort of comes full circle there's no sense in um, feeling regret over you know past mistakes for for the rest of our lives or um, guilt um, trying to change something that we can't change and just all these different like negative feelings or feelings that we may, we we just don't want to feel on a day to day basis. Um, the issue is that if we're constantly running away from them, they're just gonna be waiting for us at the end. So I feel like we need to sort of embrace that. And my artwork is sort of um, it's just my way of just releasing those feelings too. Um, it's like my outlet, my therapy. So I feel like that's sort of what I want to convey to, to a certain degree. Um, especially if I get asked about what the meaning is behind my work. A lot of the times people just see my work and are like, oh, that's just creepy or dark or gothic or, you know, but, um, I guess it hits different though too. Once you hear like the artist's story, um, and the reason as to why they create. And, and yeah, that's what I love about the NFT space and about like what you're doing as well is giving artists a voice to be able to share their stories and connect with a lot more people. So um, I think that's what we're all kind of craving right now, especially after the last few years is, is human connection. So, yeah. so it's not necessarily just about the art as much as it's finding our people and uh you know those people that can relate to everything that we have ourselves gone through or yeah totally 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it for me. Like it's really, it's really a a human thing. It's um, like we, you know, I mean, there's so many people that I've met in the NFT space where, you know, their art is not for me. I'm like, uh, I could really do without this. Like I don't, it doesn't do anything for me, but the person is really special. Like the person is somebody like really nice and polite and supportive. And it's like, yeah, like that's okay. Like I, like, why wouldn't I want to, you know, be supportive of somebody like trying to do something with themselves. That's, you know, equally supportive to others in the space. And yeah. 1000%. I'm right there with you on that one. I just, I just love how it's one of the spaces that I've, I've seen in, in such a long time um, where so many artists come together and are all, it, it seems like everybody's sort of on the same wavelength, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I've met a lot of incredible people in this space that I've never been able to, I don't think that I would have been able to meet on a, any other different social media platform. You want to give some shout outs to some people? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm yes. putting you on the spot. You don't have to. Oh my gosh. Yes, there's okay, so Cuz you got a you uh, got a robust community. I know. <laughs> there's so many amazing people. Uh okay, so I'm going to start with the very first friend that I made in the space and that's uh Sly. Um and she's Crypto Witch NFT and she's just she's just a, an amazing person she's so funny um just an infectious personality it's just positivity radiates from this this woman so um definitely sly maria um she's become one of my closest friends in this space she's uh the founder and creator uh behind poodle pals and she also uh does photography as well and honestly one of the most supportive people uh you'll ever meet Uh, she's always constantly just trying to lift everybody up around her um i could yeah you're putting me on the spot i'm getting so nervous now there's so many (laughs) who am i gonna leave out i don't want to leave anybody out it's like thanking somebody at the oscars i know (laughs) i know oh my gosh i wish i could that's what i'm afraid of (laughs) No, you're I'm okay. I, might... I mean, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to say those two because they are the two people that I, I connect with outside of, of Twitter as well. So it, whether it be like um, phone calls or text messages, um, just constantly, uh, we're always sharing ideas with one another um, they're the two that I go to, you know, for advice. Um, and they're just like a really big part of my life right now. So I, and that's not to say that all the other incredible people that I've come across aren't, aren't a part of my life. Um, but just these two, I'm, I'm constantly in contact from the moment I wake up to, to when I go to bed. So, yeah, that I think, um, anybody that's listening that knows you is like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to think, you don't have to say hi to me over here. Like we know how, like I can speak firsthand of like 
like how supportive you are in the space and how generous you are with your time. And um, I mean, I'll just like go on record here and you probably already know this, like, um, like you're the only person that reached out to me when I was like gone off of Twitter for like two, two or three weeks. And like, I don't even blame anybody else because I don't have any sort of like deep, deep connection with that many people like through Twitter, but also everyone's in their own world. Everyone's trying to hustle. Everyone's like the NFT space is crazy. Plus, uh, a real world is crazy and you're the one person and it's happened twice now who's reached out and been like, Hey, you doing okay? Like, how are you feeling? Like, so like, you know. I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm so grateful for that. And so like encouraged by that, that interaction. So anyone that's listening, it's like, um, like Sandra is there for, for the people. She's there for the community. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And that's, that's what I try and do. I try and go out of my I, I try and go out of my way for, for other people. I've always sort of been like that. Um, but I, I definitely will drop everything I'm doing um, if you need me, right? So, um, and I am very, I would fancy myself a bit of an empath. So I just, there are days where I will wake up and I'll be like, oh, I I haven't heard from this person in a while. I, I need to reach out and see how they're doing. Or for some reason I feel like, you know, they they need a shout out or you know a hello or whatever so um yeah it's it's a huge part of the nft space community and those people that support you and you know are retweeting your work and sharing it with other people like those people are important um people shouldn't shouldn't forget that or you know turn away from that that that's it's critical in this space uh nurturing those those friendships is is very important on a more um kind of conceptual level what does community mean to you um community means to me uh just gosh i don't know why that's so difficult you put me on the spot uh it's so funny because like I think I've said this before, where growing up, I didn't, I did not have, I was, I didn't have friends in school. Um, That's why I was always in my room reading or out with my herbs, (laughs) because I just, I didn't have a friend group. And um, I still, to this day, don't have many friends um, outside of, you know, this online space. It's very, very few. So just this group of friends that I have that is, that is always lifting other people up, um, supporting other people. I feel like that's that's community to me. To be in this NFT space, uh, all these little types of smaller groups that that create like this huge NFT community. Um, but these little these little groups, like the one that I'm a part of, where every day we show up. And every day we are trying to um, 
have everyone feel included, uh, special, like they're a part of something. Like we're all a part of something bigger than ourselves, and we're kind of trying to to set the the foundation for, um, I guess, future artists that come into the space. But um, it's like a really, it's like a little family. Not gonna lie, like everybody has their their little roles. I feel like too, and um, they all contribute something incredible in their own way. So. So, yeah. One of the things that I really, that I love about the community that I'm a part of is that, you know, you can take what you want from it and you you don't have to, you don't have to stay. Like, it's not, I feel like it's, everybody still maintains their friendships, but I love being able to see people that come into this space and, you know, leave off and start doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. And they start building off into like something so much more bigger. That brings me like joy to be able to see that. I I love it when, you know, um, I'm able to help someone or just be just like a a part of their, uh, you know, a part of their path towards, towards them reaching their goals or whatever it is they want to reach. But one of the biggest reasons that I, I started doing what I'm doing now is that when I first came into the NFT space, sure, there were a lot of people that, um, you know, there were a lot of, there, there were a lot of great spaces, but I still felt so like out of the loop and alone. So I kind of wanted to, to do this, this space where you know everyone is welcome anytime any place doesn't matter if you're just starting or if you're struggling or if you're selling or if you're you've been here longer um (laughs) i don't want to call it like the island of misfit toys because i don't think anyone's a misfit but um there's just so many different kinds of people that uh that kind of stick around in these spaces and it's a good balance of you know all these different personalities and experiences and art um, that all the new people that start you know coming into this space they can they meet them and they can go off with their you know potential not mentor but someone that can help them along the way on their own uh, NFT journey. Um, yeah, I think if I were to speak to anyone that's new i would say walk into the space with little expectations don't plan on like posting all your stuff and getting a bazillion likes or whatever so have low expectations start slow and follow a bunch of people and jump in the spaces that they're hosting and just listen to them and if it's somebody that you can connect with regardless of like how many followers they have how active they are or whatever it is if it's somebody you connect with good if it's somebody you don't unfollow them you know yeah get remove them from your your uh your vision or whatever it is you know and and find people and places and work that you agree with that you want to emulate whatever it is that you're looking for in the nft space or in twitter or whatever it is that's the way in my mind how to do it yeah 
I agree. I think it's really important to um, don't follow back people that you don't align with, that you don't that you don't share interests with. There's no there's no point. I mean, I I think it's this space is is a space to to really be able to connect with people that are on you know that have the same vibe as you I sometimes there are people that follow me that I'm like okay that's like I I appreciate it um I may not necessarily follow them back because that's just perhaps I just don't align with with their message or Mm -hmm. you know it's just something that I don't necessarily want to see on my timeline like things like that I at the end of the day, it's it's your timeline, it's your Twitter, it's your art, uh, it's your brand, it's your voice. Use it the way that you see fit. And I do definitely believe that if you're first coming into this space and you're new, um, just following accounts, like you said, that you align with, that you want to emulate, uh, that you respect, um, uh, and going into spaces. Yeah. One th- thousand percent spaces is is where it's at yeah and in 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 addition to what you said about following people and following back and all that stuff i think Mm -hmm. i think um you know it's good to make a connection with somebody and reciprocate but the whole follow for follow back game is like pointless the nft space isn't like what it you know you go on instagram and you're really trying to have your follower ratio to you know make sense and people are chasing after the algorithm and that's not you can make when i first came into the nft space and i had my first collection people were always telling me that you know you need to build up your followers in order to sell your work um that you need to have like well over a thousand and when i sold out my first collection i had around 400 followers so that wasn't it doesn't followers don't matter really i mean your friends are are what matter your community so coming into the space and engaging actual genuine engagement is i feel critical and um in order to build your brand up build your community and i guess build hype around around your work if your work is good that's one thing but the people that or the way that your work is going to sell are from all the people that you surround yourself with and that you engage with they're the ones that share your content and talk to other friends about you know your work with and bring you up in spaces so um that's why i always tell people building genuine relationships um is is huge in the nft space yeah and i think like if there's anyone to that can speak to it, right? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, like I'm going to go to the moon or whatever. It's like, okay, like chill out. Probably not. Um, if you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're, if you're, if you're like a, you know, if you, if you studied fine art at like whatever, you know, some prestigious university in, you know, uh, Rome or something like that, maybe, yeah, that, that might yeah. happen. Um, but I think for the bulk amount of people like for the made the the main population of people it's like uh it's about the community of people that you are building and if anybody's to speak to that i think it's definitely you you have three collections that you've sold out you're working on your fourth right now correct yes yes correct amazing 
Like, do you think that the majority of your sales are coming from exactly what you're talking about? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I wouldn't say maybe not a hundred percent. Honestly, it's, I feel like it's definitely, if I didn't have the community that I have, if I wasn't a part of it, I wouldn't have the success that I have today. Right. I think that there's a lot of people that are in my life that I support. I do the same for them, um, and they they do the same for me, right? So, like, Sly is, is one of those people. She, she loves my artwork. Um, we're very close friends. Uh, we became close friends back in, you know, March. It was almost, like, just meant to be. It was crazy. We have so much in common. And... Um, she hyped my work, you know, up to a lot of people that were in her community. And, you know, she's, she's part of the honeys community and she's hyping my work up to, to those collectors and and things like that. Like it all comes sort of full circle. I always tell people that come into the NFT space and, you know, who are trying to build uh, up from nothing is that it's 70, 30. So 30% is you marketing yourself and 70% is you marketing others Mm. Um, because that 70% is going to most likely do that in return whether that's just one retweet like that's all it takes in some cases but guaranteed you're going to build friendships out of that and it's just kind of kind of be like it's 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 going to continue building up from that you know what i mean so um coming into the space and making great art isn't enough um in my i think you need three three components um in order to be successful to some degree in the space and that's uh you know your artwork your brand and your community uh you definitely i feel like you need those three things that's brilliant. <laughs> this is like uh, <laughs> NFT 101. Like that's that's some like NFT wisdom right there for you. And and maybe like beyond NFT, right? Like I think that mm-hmm. what you're talking about is actually bigger. I think art, but also just business and maybe even beyond that and just like being a person, you know? Like yeah. I don't like attaching the word brand to uh like your personhood or whatever. But there's truth to that. Yeah. Like definitely. who you are out in the world, like you do have a brand sort of. I just I just have negative association with it, like because it's too marketing esque for me. But I think there's mm-hmm. there's real truth in what you're saying in regards to like how do you carry yourself? How do you how do you put yourself out there? Like are you behaving in a way like socially online as you would socially in the real world. So Mm -hmm. I'm all for exactly with what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not like, don't get, I don't know anything about marketing. (laughs) I'm really bad at that. Just the word marketing kind of like, kind of scares me a little bit, but uh, yeah, when I say brand, it's just how, I guess how you present yourself to, to the, to the world. Right. There are definitely things that I, I would never do. Like, you know, like just like anybody, but uh, consistency in that respect is very key. 
uh, I, I definitely, uh, that if that's like one takeaway word um, in this space is consistency, 1000%. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you have a ton of great advice for people that are new to the NFT space. What would be your advice to people that are new to art or creativity? Oh gosh. Um, so, so many people that, so many people come to me and they say, I could never do that. Like I could never, I, I can only draw stick people. Like that's probably one of the, any artist probably hears that often. And that's, that's not true. That's not true. It's, I mean, there are certain artists out there that just have this like knack for creating like stunning work, but all of us are, are working at it. All It's all, everybody has to, to put work into it, whether it be, you know, you could be more adept at one thing than another, um, but it's a skill that can be learned. And I think that if you're first getting into it, uh, do work through different mediums. I think that's one of the biggest things. So that's, you know, whether you want to do traditional sketching or you can do sketching on an iPad as well. Uh, digital art isn't that much different than, you know, traditional art, in my opinion. Um, I think a lot of people have that misconception that it's easier. In some aspects, it is. But if you don't have those fundamental skills to begin with, it's it's not any more different. Like, it's still the same, I guess, amount of work. The interesting or the easier way is that you essentially have like a studio in, in one tablet or iPad um, or you have shortcuts here and there which save on time which is great for you know if you're wanting to sell your work or do anything down that road but just play around with you know painting and uh, watercolor gouache um, oils sketching pen art line art just anything and everything that you can get your hands on until you are, you know, happy with what it is that uh, you're creating. And uh, yeah, just build up from there. Just always try. I'm constantly learning every single day. I have a subscription to uh, Skillshare and I'm always learning uh, different types of uh, skills that, I'm sorry, can you hear him barking? Um. Oh my God. No, but I'll probably be able to pick it up when I raise the volume. He's... That's okay. Okay. It's Let just, me... it's part of your world. Okay. He's just <laughs> like, I, it's funny because every time in space, people are like, oh yeah, that's just Louie. So I'm, I'm sorry. He's just having a meltdown. Um, and so, yeah, so just uh, try a, anything that you can essentially get your hands on and then just build up from there. And like I said, I'm, I'm constantly learning as well. I, I try and learn something new almost daily if I can, whether that be like a, a, a tip or a hack on YouTube or TikTok or a Skillshare course. Um, it's always, I feel like creativity is always a work in progress. What would you say your like biggest mistake or, you know, thing that you would, want to redo as an artist throughout your journey 
Um, I think one of the biggest things, uh, and I, I feel like it's, it's a little bit taboo in the art world as well, but I mean, I wish I wasn't so hard on myself while learning. So um, I know a lot of people say, you know, tracing is really bad. Um, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's it's a great way to learn. Um, it's not something that is going to be completely helpful because you still need to learn, you know, shapes and perspective, anatomy. Those are, are skills that you need to, to have under your belt in order to create art that you know, has, has movement and flow. But I think a lot of the times I stayed away from a lot of things because people were saying, no, that's the wrong way of, of going about it, or you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. Um, and that's just not the case. Art is art. It's just, it's your way of creating whatever it is that you want to create. There's no right or wrong way of creating so um, I wish I had that that mindset before, and uh, also I wish I learned. <sighs> this one's tough, actually. I think I wish I learned anatomy a little bit earlier. Um, I think that would have really helped in in the development of my my work, um, and. I still need to learn this, but color theory. I have no idea what color theory is. So I uh I need to learn that still. I'm I'm yeah, no. I've I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, for someone that doesn't know color theory, I think you your colors and your NFT pieces are pretty great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I with this next collection that I'm working on, whew, that that one's gonna be that one's definitely proving to be difficult for me because I'm working with neon. So uh, yeah, it's hopefully I do it justice, but it's been it's been a difficult journey with this one. So are these we'll gonna be like uh, synth sp- sprites? Yeah, I I actually okay. So I haven't said anything, but um, but yeah, they're gonna be like cyber sprites. Sweet. Yeah. So I definitely I've never I've never created anything that has like a mechanical feel to it. So I mean, I'm illustrating here, so it's not it's not anything like I I actually shouldn't downplay my work, but um. It's just something that I've never done before, and I figured that I would I would give it a shot. I love just that whole cyberpunk feel, um, you know, Grand Theft Auto, like all those colors, and like you were saying, like synth sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a give this a shot. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people that love neon colors and bright colors and things like that. So. Um, that's kind of what I'm working on. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I think a lot of people really like the synth or like eighties, you know, like, uh, culture and like, I think of Blade Runner, I think of Mm -hmm. Tron. I'm an eighties baby. So I love the eighties. So yeah, I'm deaf, but it's funny because as much as I love it and I love that art and that aesthetic, I've never 
created in that way just because it's just something that when I it's funny because I'll create something and 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 I'll do the line work out of it and I'm like oh this looks really like I like the way that it's looking and then as soon as I colored in I hate it um so (laughs) it's definitely been uh tricky with this but yeah you're right there's I know that there are a lot of people that that love that that aesthetic so I decided like some of my friends so I was like you know what I'm gonna give this a give this a shot cool I look forward to seeing those do you when you you, uh this is your fourth collection so when you are starting a new collection are you looking at anything listening to anything in particular like what are you doing to say like okay like I'm gonna this is gonna inspire the synth aesthetic so for me what inspired this particular it's funny because previous collections it's always music that's inspiring me when I create and I think that's why I I have a bit of a disconnect not necessarily like a huge disconnect with this collection it's just something that I've never kind of created before um so again like I said it's out of my comfort zone so there isn't anything that I am necessarily inspired directly by it's it's much more like smaller things or things that are kind of in the back of my brain that I remember from you know video games or cyberpunk or uh, the colors of you know Grand Theft Auto or anime uh, things like that Um, but yeah it's funny actually that you say that I just noticed that because like with with the anti-sprites it was a lot of met, uh, meta, Metatron Omega. Metatron. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of Metatron Omega. And uh, Celestial was kind of probably around there. And a lot of um, like del- Delirium and Enigma type music. Uh, lo-fi, things like that. But I just realized that with this collection, I really haven't been listening to music when I create, which is weird. Oh, while you're actually making the pieces, you're not look, listening yeah. to anything. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I just real I just I just realized that now when you asked. Which is really funny because it's like uh, maybe it's it, well, it's definitely not a it's not a uh, conscious choice. Yeah, but it's funny because I feel like it's almost it's not natural either. Uh, like for me. So when I'm, when I was creating these pieces, I really had to like some of the things that I would Google is, you know, motherboards or what the inside of computers look like and and things like that to sort of kind of bring into the pieces. So it was more technical than it was like intuitive Mm. with, with creating. So, well, it'll be interesting to see, how this new collection comes out if there's any sort of like if you can kind of tell you know like if there's any way mm-hmm. to any way to kind of tell the the from the work um yeah yeah i think i that's always like a fear of mine that you know the next collection isn't going to be as good or it's you know how sometimes like you f- see like music artists and and you know they have a great album and they have the next album's pretty good and then the next one after that's like 
you're like, what were you thinking? Right. Like, this isn't, you know, I'm always terrified of that happening. So I'm, I'm also very open about my process and about how I feel about what I'm doing. And I know that a lot of people have told me like, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't say that you're struggling with this because it doesn't necessarily look good. Um, but at the same time, that's just, that's me. That's like, I'm just trying to be transparent, you know? And um, I'm curious if people will see a disconnect or if by the end of it, it will all come full circle. There are two pieces that I've completed like 100%, which I'm pretty happy with. Um, but I always finish a collection and then I always go back and change something so mm. um we'll see how it how it pans out do you have a release date uh, i'm july it's going to be the beginning of july okay i don't want to say like an actual date just yet right um just because yeah, I hate saying something and then I, I don't want to push the date or anything, but it's going to be definitely the beginning of July. It's my it's my main focus right now. Other than spaces, um, it's my main focus. Yeah, I get it. You know, I mean, especially this early on, you know, you've only created mm -hmm. two, pe finished two pieces. Yeah. You know, then you put that date out there and then you're like, deadline, you know. The That's just it. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say the fear of the deadline. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like also people in the NFT space are very like conscious of, of, you know, release dates and things like that. And if you say one thing and you do another, people, people remember that. Yeah. So uh, I, I avoid making promises that I don't necessarily think that I can't keep essentially. Right, so. right. Yeah. I mean, for them and also for yourself as well, you know, Yeah, for you sure. want to be able to confidently step into and say, boom, I'm releasing mm -hmm. this on this date. And I know, you know, versus like, uh, like I got a delay or whatever for four days and I can't, you know, whatever happened, my iPad broke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's better when you have it done and then you can start to prepare your, you know, the marketing surrounding it yeah instead of just being all over the place and trying to figure everything out so so yeah so it's but it's definitely going to be the very beginning of july cool well i don't know if you use movies as influence uh have you ever seen tron legacy i haven't seen tron no oh, man. so i good. haven't seen tron so i'm gonna good. have to i'm gonna have to see it I'll, I'll say though like for for the pieces that i have created um my dad, like growing up, was very into computers and he would take them apart and put them back together. And my partner is very much the same way. Like he loves his, his computer and he helped me build my, my PC as well. So um, just the the guts of a computer are, are sort of what inspired certain parts of, of this collection as well as, um, you know, Star Wars and cyberpunk and just characters in like Mad Max and, and things like that. Just all these different characters and different movies, these badass females and in, in, you know, sci-fi, sci-fi movies. So hopefully it goes well. Sweet. Um, That's yeah, awesome. I, 
I'm always, it's funny with this collection, I'm trying the, the, the name of it in like the back of my head. Like I want it to be like an OP, like boss in a, in a video game, like this female, you know, that you, you try and fight like this evil boss. So we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. Is that, you said that's what you want the name to be, or is that kind of like the archetype behind the pieces? Yeah. The archetype behind the pieces. Yeah, Yeah. Cool. That's badass. Yeah, well, um, whether or not you use films as inspiration, I would say rec- check out Tron Legacy just because it's a cool movie. It's not Mad Mad Max quality, but it's it's like Mad Max except just different. Who's in it? Uh, Garrett Hedlund. Oh, okay. Olivia Wilde. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Bridges. Okay. Do you know the original Tron? Have you ever heard of Tron at no. all? I've heard of Tron, yes, but I've not. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, there was like the original back in the 80s, mm-hmm. which is like super old school uh, CGI or whatever. I don't even know what they were using back then. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, just to look at like the old way that they did like integrated animation into this movie or computer graphics or whatever they did. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting. It's like this story of these guys that are building a computer program that they can basically upload themselves into. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I think that I I don't – I might be a little, like, mistaken with that being the plot, but that's, like, an element <laughs> of it. Um, and then Tron Legacy is, like, 20 years later or whatever, and um, this – the guy, the creator who's in the original movie Jeff Bridges character is now in the computer program that was shut down so he's lost oh. in there and his son who's played by Garrett Hedlund oh. goes into the computer program which is like basically this i mean if you watch the trailer like it's like this whole other neon sci-fi computer world um, where there's basically like a good and bad, and um, he has to like rescue his dad. So, oh, cool. It's a pretty like it didn't do very well, and like a lot of people were like, eh, it wasn't that great because I think they had a lot of expectations for it. But it's a really fun movie, I think, and um, it's pretty creative too. So, check it out. And then Blade yeah, Runner. I'm sure will. you've seen Blade Runner. I I have um but the sec the the remake I've only watched like I didn't watch the whole thing. I still have to I still have to watch it. I'm really bad with with watching movies. When I was younger, it was a lot of movies all the time and then as I got older, I'm like I can't sit still. Mm. It's really bad. No, but I tr- okay. but I try. Yeah, I think movies are those things where it's like it's a big commitment and mm-hmm. You have to be willing to like sit and watch somebody else live their life. And it's like, if that's not uh, fulfilling to you and you're like, I need to be productive in some other way. Like I totally mm-hmm. get it. That's actually kind of how I feel about books, to be honest. It's like, I get lost in my mind when I'm reading, thinking about all the other things I should be doing or can be doing. Whereas yeah. a movie transports me to this other world and I can kind of like see uh, relationships and stories and yada yada, like 
right there for an hour and a half or two hours. It's so funny because like for me, it's the opposite. For me, it's the books that allow me to like go into a different world where with movies, I have to really like sit and pay attention and be mindful of of what I'm watching. With that being said, there are some movies that I watched. Like I'm, I'm always usually creating whenever there's something on the TV. Um, like it's always, something's always going on in the background, whether it be music or movies. Um, and sometimes there are just certain movies that I'm just like, oh, hey, like I need to, I need to pay attention because this is pretty cool. So, so yeah. Oh, well, what movies would those be? Like, what are, what would you say your top, top movies would be if you had to pick or TV shows? Like what engages you the most in that? in that field um okay so let me just think for a second um so they may not they're not necessarily my favorite movies um but they're ones that have inspired me quite a bit in the last few months um not necessarily like nft collection pieces as much as it's just like the some of the stuff that I'm working on in the background. Um, but I recently saw Suspiria. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's very strange, um, but it's a stunning movie. It's, uh, there's, I don't know, there's just something about it. It just really, it sucked me in. And um, just the use of, it's very the mood is very like ominous and melancholy. And then there are these like pops of, of color that aren't necessarily bright, like red, let's say. Right. But not like a bright red, but like this really moody red. And it's just little things like that. Um, and another gorgeous movie uh, is green Knight. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't. That's definitely on the list though. I it's okay. So it's like a, it's a slow burn. Um, I feel like it's kind of a a movie where, you know, you need to sit down and prepare yourself to watch a play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that a lot of people don't have patience for that, but my good Lord, if that movie isn't just stunning with the landscapes and the cinematography, the color, the music, just everything about it is, it really, it, it was a movie that's, that stuck with me for probably like a week after I watched it. Whoa. And yeah. And just like the palette, the color palette, I tried to, you know, bring that into my artwork because it was just something that really inspired me. Um, And another, a show actually that I kind of drew inspiration from recently was uh, Midnight Mass, which is on Netflix. Have you seen that one? No. Isn't that a horror though? It's not. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Suspiria is a horror too. Um, it's not really too horror-ish. No, it's actually. Yeah, no, I take. Yeah, it's it's kind. It's scary, but it's so. I wish I could explain it to you <laughs> without being on the record. Technically, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But it's definitely something that when you watch, you do not expect to happen. Mm. how they are the how they are able to like manipulate the storyline to work 
or the characters are manipulating something to work to their own advantage or their own narrative. And it's really, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting show. Like the, the twist, I, I was not, when I first watched it, I didn't know anything about it going into it. Um, and I was very surprised. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Those are great. I think sounds like aesthetic is a huge part of this, a part of what like attracts you to, I don't know what like Midnight Mass is like, but Green Knight, mm-hmm. uh, Mad Max, and then what you said about Suspiria, they all sound like they have mm-hmm. like a specific aesthetic that kind of draws you in. Yes. And it's most of the time it's, it's dark. It's a, it's, it's a mar- much darker aesthetic um more like occult type vibes if if anything dark colors always rainy weather you know um but then there are those like colors that come in sometimes when i'm doing line work or i do a black like a black work piece i'll add just one color in so it's usually red or a dark green mm. or even like a burnt orange so it's nothing like neon like in your face and it's usually tiny details that i'll i'll include cool um, yeah just those little little pops of color those little details did you see dune yes awesome yes it so like so beautiful there were so I many t- things that i liked about it yeah, it was it was that's another movie that kind of stuck with me for a few days after. It was so beautiful. Well, I know you like that uh the Metatron Omega, so I definitely <laughs> saw like <laughs> there there he was up on top of that stage singing to all those soldiers, the throat singing. Oh my gosh, that was so it was oh, it just everything about that was Yeah, I was I love 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 movies where you, they don't even need to say anything. Just the scene gives you like, yeah, it makes your hair stand on end. Yeah, you know, it's that's and that. Unfortunately, th- those kinds of movies, um, they don't make those kinds of movies as often anymore. So, also like, I just want to just say, Joker was mm. another. Just everything about that movie. I was trying to think of some other movies that I would be like, I wonder if she saw this. I wonder if she saw that. Joker's, that hits the nail on the head for mm-hmm. kind of your aesthetic, you know, like a lot of darkness. And then there's just like this color that pops out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's not even the crazy, it's not even like bright colors. It's like usually like a, because everything is just so dark um, that it's this weird, let's say like a muted green that that comes in and or just his outfit like that's yeah the whole movie like when you think about like him on that staircase is oh it was perfection yeah they did a great job with that that was probably my favorite um origin story type superhero villain whatever type you know movie it was so grounded in reality i take that back one million percent i sorry batman begins <laughs> is my favorite hello um but yeah from the other ones that's way better i think yeah yeah 
I, I hear that. And it's funny, like, just talking about, you know, uh, superhero movies and things like that. I'm more drawn to uh, the villains. And I think that that kind of translates into to my work uh, as well, in a, in a way. But that's why I love Joker and I love, um, like, I love Batman, right? So uh, <laughs> watching Star Wars, like, uh, what's what's that? Darth Vader? Not the Sith, not Darth, well, I mean Darth Vader, of course, but in that, I think in the one with Anakin, uh, not Anakin Returns, oh my gosh, what was that first one? Episode one. I don't know. The Sith, <laughs> the guy with the black and red face. <laughs> Um, I can't even remember. I can't remember that. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I mean, geez. You're, Darth Maul. Yeah, Darth Maul. You're talking to the wrong yeah. guy, but yes, Darth Maul. Oh, sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's. I think there's something interesting about villains that there's uh, like kind of a an element of of like realness or like of humanity within them, you know, especially within Joker. That was like mm-hmm. obvious for that. Like yeah. these, these, uh, um, the heroes, it's almost like they live in some pretend place. Yeah. And it's like the villains. That's actually like kind of where everybody lives, you know, like in this place yeah. that's like, like a lot darker and like, you know, dirty apartment. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, like we don't yeah. we don't all have like a you know a twelve million dollar yeah you know apartment <laughs> overlooking you know Central side. Park yeah or trip oh, yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like hello like why are we relating to these characters like these characters are the yeah. ones that we don't relate to actually exactly yeah that's so funny you're so right yeah that's funny. <laughs> Um, okay, okay, a couple more questions, and I think we'll wrap okay. this up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you're going to Poland soon. Mm-hmm. What is like your top travel destination that you've never been that you would like to go? Okay, so I want to. Uh, I want to say Italy just because I've not been there since I was born. So I would really love to go visit where I was born. Um, But I'm going to have to say the number one place that I want to visit is Ireland um, and Scotland. Just because that's always just somewhere that I've wanted to go visit. Uh, You know, see the castles, the history, the mythology, um, I was growing up, I, I loved, I know that they may not necessarily take place in, in these places, but um, like uh, Merlin and uh, Willow and, and things like that. And uh, yeah, I just, oh, I don't know. There, there's just something about it. I, I would love to visit, visit there. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Those are high on my list too. I always wanted to go my dad used to go to scotland and play golf when i was younger oh cool yeah and he would like on business trips and stuff and he would bring back photos and uh, i've always had this like desire to go there and just roam around like i don't know what it is about that countryside from what i've seen in pictures or on film or whatever it is it's like that's the kind of place where i feel like i'd want to just like take a backpack and go get lost for five days yes you know i completely agree yeah 
I completely agree with you. Yeah, there's something really enchanting about that place. There's, I don't know. I think about I, I, castles. That's... I think about like those stone walls or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, stone Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. Or... But like, like yeah. the, you know, like throughout, they have like, oh yes. like walls. You know, that are like built mm-hmm. with stones in like some ancient way. Yeah, I love that. It's the use enchanting is the perfect word. Right, right. Yeah, yeah there's something like super. I mean, when you were talking about folklore and stuff like that, I know that almost all traditions have or all cultures i should say have some sort of folklore and like there's something about the scottish ireland and like the uk like countryside type like that whole place there's something about that folklore that's really interesting to me same i completely agree with you um yeah i i would love to to visit i think that would be like number one nice yeah um okay next question if you had a full year no responsibilities no bills no nothing that you had to worry about what sort of art project would you do oh okay so i didn't have to pay for anything right yeah you're kind of it's kind of like somebody's somebody's gonna front whatever you got to take care of they're like hey we're just gonna take care of you you get a year to do whatever project you want and you can kind of have like a pretty flexible budget with that as well if that's what you're asking i feel like i would stick with one of one i I get a lot i get asked a lot if i would do a generative collection and um perhaps that is something that i may consider uh in the future but right now um I just really like creating that that one of one work. I mean, I guess no, it, it wouldn't even be called a generative. What I'm doing now, it's because they're all each hand drawn and they're different. But I think what I would do if money wasn't an like an ob- like a thing um, that I didn't have to worry about, um, I think that I would create a collection where the majority of the money would be donated. Like, if I didn't have to worry about supporting myself, I would probably donate all my money to dogs, <laughs> is what I would probably do. So uh, I would probably work on something um, that would, in turn, help um, in that in that aspect. So you would do the same artwork that you're doing now? Oh, sorry. Um, no, that's okay. It was, it was... You can erase all I said <laughs> before sorry i feel like um i was like you're you're like i wouldn't do a generative project i was like what sorry (laughs) i thought you meant like okay so you're okay so if i had a year to do you have a year to do Hmm. whatever you want like artistically okay and you don't have to worry about any bills or responsibilities why is that so hard why is that so hard for me i would do this i would continue on what i'm doing perfect i i honestly i i feel like i would i wouldn't go i wouldn't try a different medium that's not something that i like i desire to do at this time um i wouldn't 
if anything, I think that I would maybe expand my collection into to more than just one. Uh, I really like the the path of which I'm going on where, you know, I have 15 one of ones and they have their own theme. Um, so I think that, oh my God, Mike, I don't know if I'm answering your question right. I no, might, you definitely are. Working. I like oh. it. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, this is great. Like, uh, I was going to say like, what's coming to my brain right now is like, mm-hmm. I know that sometimes you're, you're someone that struggles with like, um, Uh, imposter syndrome and like oh am I doing the right thing or whatever and I want you to think back to this right now because I just asked you if you had like a dream project and you said I'm living it Mm -hmm. that's a pretty fantastic offer like answer okay that's good (laughs) so (laughs) yeah I I I feel like yeah if I can continue what I'm doing right now then I'm happy I'm more than happy. I love I love creating. I love what I'm doing. I think the next thing that I really want to do um, is really um, have a collection of just the the work that when I'm creating right now, I'm I'm kind of trying to create not only for myself but for people as well so what I think they may or may not like I know a lot of people love color so I really want to do this next collection um, after the fourth one entirely like for me what I would want to see you know on my walls so I think it'll be a lot uh, a lot darker um, (laughs) and a lot less colorful cool no I think that's really cool I think I also think like there's a huge audience for black and white work so i wouldn't like you know undermine that as a as a thing to like not to like to worry about i think i think people love black and white work so yeah very cool. yeah i i feel like um i haven't seen too much of it in the nft space um or even dark art. That's I feel like that's difficult to come by as well. Um, I haven't seen it. I'm I'm actively looking for it. Sometimes I can find it. I think a lot of the people that do do it right now is more um, are more like AI artists or AI pieces, and um, which is interesting because a lot of there's a lot of AI work that is a lot darker that reminds me of Bekshinsky's paintings. So it's kind of, that's kind of interesting to me. But um, yeah, I definitely want to, one of my goals is to establish a, like a, a, a little bit of a community where the, the artwork that isn't mainstream or what's, you know, popular right now um, has a bigger, like a platform to, to be able to showcase their work. So yeah. Cool. I'm going to um, send you some names of some artists that I follow that uh, do pretty awesome dark work. Yes, please. A couple of them are. And you like it, even though you are you don't like horror? I love dark art. I love. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really interesting, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I hate horror movies. Um, <laughs> they scare the hell out of me. Um, but. I actually, okay, maybe I shouldn't say I love dark art, but like I I do really like art that has like this 
a darker aspect to it or a darker aesthetic to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like a yes and no type thing. If it's like a really like horrific art, you know, but even then, I don't know. Like I came across this artist on Instagram or it wasn't, it wasn't the artist. It was like a vintage art page and it might've been the nightmare artist. Um, but it was basically like this gigantic, like troll Santa Claus that was <laughs> had like eaten like this Ugh. dog or something like that. I don't know what it was, but oh, no. it's like a vintage. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> if you said person, I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. You say dog, and I'm like, no. Poor doggy. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh geez, it, like I'm, I'm not gonna try and look it up while we're talking, but. Yeah, it was like a vintage a vintage artist that did like really dark stuff and it just like it was it was horrific and it was like very gripping and engaging, but there's something really alluring about that to me. So there's this weird like weird thing with me where maybe it's a thing about story that I don't know, maybe movies are just too real. Like, horror movies are just too real. Yeah, like, for me, I I don't like, I mean, not that I don't like horror art. Um, I'm not, like, into, to like, gore or anything like that. Um, I like those pieces that are unsettling. I, that's, that's sort of what I go for. I, I, I love looking at a piece that, or creating a piece that is unsettling to someone where they can't quite put their finger on why it feels strange to them. Um, and it's a feeling that you don't experience like day to day. So that's why I like some of the, like you were said, like darker artwork where you, you get this like gut reaction to, to a piece that, you can't quite put your finger on why it's creepy, um, but it's like out of a nightmare, essentially. So there's okay. We're gonna do a little experiment right now, if you don't mind. If, if okay. okay, there's an yeah. artist on Twitter. So if you can mm-hmm. go on Twitter, are you near something that you can? Yep, go on, on Twitter. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the handle is at o w i n a g a. Oenaga? Yeah. And then I got another one for you. Ooh. What do you think of her? I'm okay, so there's a lot of hold on, I have to I, I there's a lot of retweets. Let me just go to object. Oh ooh. yes, I love that. See, just that oh wow, what is that? See, it's not gory. It's not like in your face, anything, but it's just this visceral, like, feeling that, oh, that's weird. The one titled Laceration and Collapse is. Wow. Where, where are you looking at? Are you looking at on. Oh, her o- OBG, OBJKT, Object. Object. Yeah. Yeah. Like that work. I'm a huge fan of this artist, by the way. Like, there's some seriously dark photography in here. Yeah. That um, it wow. like really 
like or collapse you see collapse it's like her face is looking up but it's melting off oh it's so strange yeah but then what i love so much about this person is like the cyanotype which is uh art made from light right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's blue and airy and it's flowers and petals in the sky and stuff like that so there's really they're really showcasing this like this dual identity of dark and light within themselves and i think it's really powerful yeah definitely that's that's gorgeous work yeah they're great yeah so you yeah for sure um but yeah so kind of to tie that back in i think i think the dark dark art world is uh and there's a couple more that i know too that i i'll see if i can find them and send them your way but yeah i think there's definitely an audience for that stuff so i'll look forward to that you know like i think the work you do is really really good like um and i think obviously people really enjoy it but i'll definitely be there to support you when you're like i'm gonna do something that i really want to do that i'm not sure other people will like mm-hmm. well thank you yeah i think mine's more it's not it's not it doesn't evoke the feeling the feelings that you know these pieces do um that's for sure but uh maybe one day i'll i'll get to that maybe that's what i would do if i had if money was no was wasn't like a worry or anything like that Hmm. maybe try painting in that in that way oh that'd be interesting yeah totally different than like the style of work that you do now yeah i think it's you know what even if i try like now i think that's i need to sort of get out of my own head and even if i do it digitally at first right and just play around that's what i don't do a lot of I don't play around I when as soon as I get onto my iPad I I work I I sketch I line work it and then you know yeah I don't sit there and play around with it and I need to do that more often hard to when you have like a perfection perfectionism or perfectionist within you yeah it's hard to like really kind of color outside those lines yeah well it's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Definitely can't color outside those lines. <laughs> I would have a meltdown. Rule number one. Yeah. <laughs> Stay within those Stay lines. Within the lines. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Sandra, I think we're going to wrap it up. I just want to say thanks awesome. so much. This has been really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you giving me the time um, to share all of this and... Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I was very nervous, but I felt you made me feel so comfortable. So thank you. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Um, I'm making it a tradition for every episode to end on closing thoughts. So if there's anything that you want to end on or share or anything at all, you're welcome. This space is yours. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I do. I, I Again, I want to thank you for for giving me this platform to, to share my work. And um, I just, again, want to shout out all the people that, all the friends that I've made along the way since I first came into the NFT space. Um, without them, I 
not sure I would have gotten as far as, as I have. So thank you. And yeah, I guess with regards to coming into the space and if you're an artist, literally take it one day at a, at a time and uh, just ensure that, you know, you find the people that you align with. Uh, nothing worse than, you know, going through it, pretending or, or trying to, to fit in. There is there's space for everybody here. So, uh, yeah, I wish I had something more eloquent, no, I, more eloquent to say. I think but... that's great. That's <laughs> yeah. great. I think um, yeah. for anyone that is listening and hasn't connected with, with Sandra, Obviously, I'll include the uh, links in, in the blog, and I'll say them in the uh, intro, but um, check out her spaces because, um, you know, what she's saying is representative of who she is in the NFT space. So I'll just add that to your your closing thoughts. Yes, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, and I am always, I'm literally always on Twitter, so um and I love to help people. So if anybody's feeling stuck or doesn't know where to start, my DMs are always open. Amazing. Thank you, Sandra. And Thank uh, you. we'll talk again very soon. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Sandra. Head over to searcherstudioart.com to connect with her through her social links and view her work. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe.